The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Merrick Garland is going to appear before the Senate Judiciary day after tomorrow, and it looks like there will be something big and new and shiny to ask him about Charlie McGonigal and Oleg Deripaska. And when two Democratic members of that committee pull on this McGonigal thread on Wednesday, they hope Garland will say something that confirms that this is a story not just about McGonigal and Deripaska, but about McGonigal and Deripaska and Trump. Business Insider, which has been running rings around the rest of the news media combined on this story for months now, now reports that in 2018, McGonagall, either before his retirement from the FBI or just after his retirement from the FBI and way before his arrest, went to London to meet a Russian, unnamed, who was under so much suspicion that the British authorities had that Russian under surveillance. Every time you turn around, this pile of smelly stuff involving this guy McGonagall seems to have grown in size while you weren't looking at it. At the end of last month, McGonagall was arrested on charges that he was working illegally for Deripaska in 2021 and that he traveled to London to meet with Deripaska. Read the indictment and the first version of the Deripaska saga, and it looks like that meeting definitely took place in 2020, 
maybe 2019, but definitely not in 2018 when Deripaska was still an active executive in the FBI. Now he is placed in London meeting some Russian in 2018, and you do not have to be a conspiracy theorist to staple together the different parts of the Charlie McGonagall, Oleg Deripaska story to quickly ask, you know, if that Russian, the British allegedly caught McGonagall meeting with in 2018 was Deripaska. And you're still in the normal behavior range if you wonder exactly when McGonagall started working for Deripaska. And if it could have been 2018, could it have actually been in 2016? Because that is clearly what the FBI and the Department of Justice are still asking and what Senator Sheldon Whitehouse wants to ask Garland about on Wednesday. Back to this new Business Insider story. When the surveillance showed their Russian, whoever he was, meeting with the FBI's McGonagall in 2018, the British alerted the FBI legal attache who operated out of the American embassy in London. Whoever the meeting was with, whatever the meeting was for, it was bad enough that it was one of the reasons the FBI, in fact, began its investigation of its own man McGonagall. If you're fuzzy on this labyrinthine story because it has been out of the headlines for a few weeks, the FBI investigation of McGonagall climaxed a month and four days ago when McGonagall was arrested on two seemingly separate accusations, taking money from Albanian interest while he was still active before he retired from the FBI, and more relevant to what they will ask the attorney general on Wednesday morning for allegedly illicitly working for a Russian oligarch he had once been in charge of investigating, Deripaska, the same Putin-friendly money man whom Paul Manafort was also working for, Manafort, who was the same Manafort who was Trump's second campaign chief in 2016 for free, while Manafort owed Deripaska money. And, of course, Trump is the same Trump on whose behalf... McGonagall's FBI field office in New York went rogue in 2016. The New York FBI office agents were threatening to leak insinuations about the Anthony Weiner laptop, and Bureau Director James Comey decided to re-smear Hillary Clinton 11 days before the election, before his agents could anonymously do it for him. As this story has evolved over the month since the arrest of McGonagall, it has been clear that the FBI and the Justice Department are not clear exactly when McGonagall started working for Deripaska. Or they know and they are waiting for the rest of us to ask so loudly that they just have to find out. At the start of this month, the New York Times wrote, quote, Prosecutors suggested that Mr. McGonagall began wooing Mr. Deripaska shortly before his retirement. In 2018, he helped the daughter of an employee of Mr. Deripaska get an internship with the New York Police Department, according to the New York indictment. Mr. McGonagall explained to another FBI official that the girl's father was a Russian intelligence officer he wanted to recruit, prosecutors said. The indictment of Charlie McGonagall specifically accuses him of traveling to Vienna and London to meet this Deripaska, but it gives no time frame on those meetings. And now comes the story that the meeting could have taken place while McGonagall was still active in the FBI and still active in the corrupted New York field office that actually influenced the outcome of the 2016 presidential election. 
Three weeks ago tomorrow, Senator Whitehouse of the Judiciary Committee wrote to Merrick Garland for details on McGonagall and Deripaska, and specifically what was being done to investigate whether McGonagall knew about the FBI New York office's pro-Trump dirty tricks from 2016. White House's office says he has not heard back. At the same time, the Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin also wrote Merrick Garland asking for a briefing about McGonagall, and he hasn't heard back. Now, Garland's appearance at the 10 a.m. Wednesday morning hearing is, per a Durbin aide, not in response to the letter. He just happens to be stopping by to take general questions, as one does. Obviously, there is the small chance, underscore small, underscore chance, that Garland will help Durbin and White House dig up the body of the Mueller investigation, which Trump and Bill Barr so skillfully buried alive in 2019. Because no matter how tepid Trump's bid to regain power may seem, the ground underneath Trump within the Republican Party continues to prove still fertile and welcoming and dumb. The chair of the National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, went on CNN yesterday and said yes, she expects that everyone seeking a place on the Republican presidential debate stage later this year will agree to sign a pledge supporting the eventual Republican presidential nominee. That means all of them not named Trump, including never Trumpers like Asa Hutchinson and trying to put space between me and Trumpers like Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo, would have to pledge to support Trump if he's the nominee. And McDaniel and the hapless CNN interviewer Dana Bash both seemed to believe that Trump would also pledge to support the nominee if that nominee is not Trump. The reason Trump could still be the nominee of the Republican Party is simple. It is as simple as Ronna McDaniel is. Who on earth would be stupid enough to look at Trump and say, oh, he's going to pledge to support the nominee, even if it isn't him. And as we know, Trump's word is as good as gold. Who would be that stupid to believe that? Well, Dana Bash, Ronna McDaniel, and Politico. Politico headlined its version of this story, GOP corners Trump with debate pledge. Trump's word, especially about something as vague as a pledge, is actually only as good as the gold coloring in his can of spray-on hair, which might be lemon pledge. They are really willing to believe that this time Trump will do what he has promised. This is the whiny creature whom Rolling Stone now reports tried to pressure at least three Disney executives because he didn't like a joke Jimmy Kimmel had made about him while his FCC was at least nominally investigating Stephen Colbert at the same time, and while he wanted the Department of Justice to try to prosecute Saturday Night Live. So you can count on Trump. A, he'll live up to a pledge, and B, no, of course he would never have taken help from the Russians or the FBI compromised by the Russians, and C, he would never ever try to bury evidence confirming he'd taken help from the Russians. Oh, and D, he would never, ever forgive Kevin McCarthy for turning on him, however briefly, even if McCarthy agreed to break several laws and give 44,000 hours of January 6th security video to Tucker Carlson so Carlson could massage it into more gaslighting fuel. There are two developments on that story. They are not major. 
The freshman congressman from Wisconsin, whom McCarthy apparently had lie for him, Brian Stile, has, shockingly, defended both himself and McCarthy. Reportedly, it was Stile, as chairman of the House Administration Committee, who went to the Capitol Hill police and demanded that a viewing station be set up for his committee, mind you, so his committee and its staff could review the unreleased January 6th video and then, oh, what do you know? Suddenly it was not his committee, but Tucker Carlson's producers sitting there at the viewing station viewing. Style issued a statement to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, quote, I support Speaker McCarthy's decision to increase transparency for the American people. This majority is focused on accountability, transparency, and restoring the people's trust. Didn't say the people of which country. The paper then asked specifically if Style consulted the Capitol Police about possibly releasing the video to any member of the public. Style answered by not answering. Quote, I strongly believe we can maintain security while increasing openness and transparency for the American people. I got to say, that is some pretty good boilerplate Republican bullshit from a freshman. He's one to keep an eye on. The other January 6th video development, if you thought Carlson might have been chastened by the rage over his access to the video or by the release of the Dominion texts that showed he not only may or may not believe any of this crap he spouts every night, but there is the distinct possibility that he no longer knows whether he does or does not believe any of this crap. Forget it. Carlson has, in fact, doubled down and removed a few of the guardrails that had seemed to keep him away from at least selling his brainwashing victims on election denialism. Quote, it is galling to be lectured about democracy by a man who took power in an election so sketchy that some Americans don't believe it was real. He's talking about 2020 and Biden. Carlson then decided to echo one of Trump's oldest pieces of bullshit, quote, Biden is far less popular in the U.S. than Putin is in Russia. How that argument works, even with the most moronic Fox viewer, I'll never know. And then <sighs> Howard Kurtz comes back into the Fox picture, and I know. It is slightly comforting to know that some people at Fox actually believe they still work in journalism Howard Kurtz, who was once with the Washington Post and CNN and was the Washington bureau chief for the Daily Beast, went on his little Fox News media show yesterday where he usually complains about just the liberals and said, quote, some of you have been asking why I'm not covering the Dominion voting machines lawsuit against Fox involving the unproven claims of election fraud in 2020. And it's absolutely a fair question. I believe I should be covering it. It's a major media story given my role here at Fox, but the company has decided that as part of the organization being sued, I can't talk about it or write about it, at least for now. I strongly disagree with that decision, but as an employee, I have to abide by it. One suspects Howard Kurtz will soon be talking of his role there at Fox in the past tense, as in, I have been told I no longer have a role here at Fox. I strongly disagree with that decision. And while Kurtz long ago forfeited the sympathies and empathies of actual reporters or actual consumers of actual news by going to work at the whorehouse, it is kind of sad that he may soon be yet another reason that it is absolutely past time 
to de-platform Fox News and put that company out of business. Still ahead in this edition of Countdown, speaking of out of business, one major newspaper was still publishing Dilbert by Scott Adams yesterday after he had gone on that full white supremacist rant. That was yesterday. Today, it too has canceled his alleged comic strip. Bye, Felicia. Can you spell the words ninth and twelfth as in, you know, numbering things? Ninth and twelfth. If so, you are smarter than the Florida State Department of Education. I wish I were making this up. Baseball's new pitch and hit clocks work surprisingly well. And in an all new and painful edition of things I promised not to tell, on one day in 2011, the guy who was going to save current TV and the last television version of Countdown was going to tell me how he planned to do it. And after she was the one who invited me, I was going to go have coffee with Uma Thurman. Needless to say, things came a cropper in both of those meetings. Things I promise not to tell, that's next. This is Countdown. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. 
Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Washington screaming headlines yesterday. The Department of Energy says it believes COVID-19 originated from a laboratory leak. Let the pearl clutching begin and please do not read the details of the story in which the department adds it believes this with, quote, low confidence that it's right while other parts of the American intelligence structure don't believe this at all. Plus, COVID-19, as sleuthed out by the Department of Energy, all those virologists and scientists and spies from the Department of Energy? I don't know about you, but I'm reserving judgment on just where COVID-19 originated until I hear it personally from the Undersecretary of Lumber and Floor Wax. Dateline Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Some good news as Friday's podcast and my little story of my childhood correspondence with the far less than perfect author Roald Dahl was just beginning to circulate. His publishers decided, no, we were all right and they were wrong. Puffin will still publish its bodlerized versions of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach and all the other doll novels with fringe offensive words like bald and fat removed and other portions rewritten and clumsily. But it will simultaneously now keep the original Royal Doll text in print. Dateline Minnesota. Ah, well, that's not going to happen for Scott Adams. Dilbert gets his tie caught in the office shredder. The services will be Thursday. The Minneapolis Star Tribune appears to have been the only major American newspaper yesterday to not drop the, quote, comic strip, unquote, after creator Scott Adams' racist rant on YouTube in which he called for, quote, white people to get the hell away from black people. You know the one in which he advocated for resegregation. Scott can now choose a new career of some kind. Nancy Faust, USA Today and Gannett's other 300 papers dropped the strip, which was never particularly funny, but it did once present an anti-boss, anti-corporation point of view, and that was a kind of daring thing to see in American newspapers. Coming to the defense of Adams, the last man standing here, the increasingly obvious reactionary and or fascist Elon Musk. Musk declared in response to an Adams tweet that it's the media that's racist against whites and Asians. And so are the elite colleges and high schools, he says, because you can take the boy out of apartheid South Africa, but you can't take apartheid South Africa out of the boy. This is SportsCenter. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, I am never pleasantly surprised. I don't know if you know that about me. And yet here I am having to tell you that I am 
pleasantly surprised. Hats off to the pitchers and the hitters in the first weekend of baseball's new clock and its anti-shift rules. Yes, there was one disaster about the batter's clock, but out of a couple of dozen spring training games, there was only one disaster the first weekend of the thing. Almost all the other hitters were in place with eight seconds to go on the clock, and almost all the pitchers were in place with seven seconds to go on the clock. The fielders were where they were supposed to be in the new rule, although it is still a dumb rule, and the games were running about 25 or 26 minutes shorter than they were a year ago and with all the dead spaces cut out. The disaster was the thing that made the headlines, of course. The Boston Red Sox and Atlanta Braves were tied at Northport, Florida, 6-6 in the bottom of the ninth. Braves up, two out, bases loaded, 3-2 count to minor league prospect Cal Conley of the Braves. Boston's Robert Kwiatkowski threw an apparent ball four, which would have meant a game-winning walk for Conley and the Braves. Instead, the umpire leaped out from behind the plate to say Conley did not beat the clock. It was an eight-second violation, and therefore an automatic strike strike three in fact so instead of game winning ball four it was game ending strike three the first weekend of this and of spring training 2023 was about Manny Machado of the San Diego Padres. He was the first player ever called for not being ready. And then yesterday, he turned out to be very ready, signing a new 11-year, $350 million deal with the Padres. Machado becomes the third Padre on a deal worth $280 million or more. He was already the fifth on the team who will make at least $20 million this season. Now, where is that money coming from? As we told you, the Bally Sports Regional networks missed $150 million in interest payments and are expected to go bankrupt in a month. They carry the Padres games, among many others in baseball, and they carry, all told, 42 MLB, NBA, and NHL teams. But while the leagues were trying to process that, Warner Brothers Discovery, that's the John Malone company that is running CNN to the ground, they told the teams that their regionals carry that it is exiting the regional sports business in the next few weeks. Bye, Felicia. It operates the AT&T Sports Networks in Denver, Houston, and Pittsburgh and owns part of Root Sports in Seattle, and it has given the teams it carries until March 31st to reach agreement to take their TV rights back. You know what? I got an idea. Baseball and the other sports that are going to lose these deals with uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and Bally's, they should go where the growth is. They should all start podcasts. Ahead, he was Al Gore's business partner and one of his top political advisors. He was running our new cable news network, and he did not know what the letters DVR stood for, and he thought he had outsmarted the Nielsen ratings people when he bought the ratings that only had live viewers and none of this Diver nonsense in them. Coming up on the worst day of my life so far. First time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze. Well, State House Bill HB0009 has now passed in Tennessee. It will make it a criminal offense to have a drag show on public property in that state. First offense is a misdemeanor. Subsequent offenses will be a felony. 
Since the state Senate had already passed its version of this monstrosity, the combined bill will now go to the desk of Tennessee Governor Bill Lee for signature. And it turns out that if uh, Governor Lee does want to sign it, he may want to dress up for the occasion, maybe in a cocktail dress, pearls, and a nice hat. That's what he appears to be wearing in a photo on page 165 of the 1977 Franklin High School yearbook. Unless that's another Bill Lee who went to Bill Lee's high school in Bill Lee's hometown in Bill Lee's graduating year. This was as discovered by somebody on Reddit and tweeted out by the Tennessee Holler. So is there a statute of limitations on this hateful Republican crap? Can Governor Lee get himself arrested for participating in a drag show in 1977? The runner-up, Dylan Byers, the media writer at the website Puck. He's out with another column about CNN Worldwide president and chief guy at MSNBC we used to think eight-paced Chris Licht. Once again, a Byers column is full of excuses for the series of self-defenestrations that Licht has overseen and accomplished at CNN. I think this is column number 38. Licht's newest quote from a New York Times article about the vanilla, centrist, boring CNN he has created, quote, This is not vanilla, centrist, or boring. Licht's newest idea, a newscast co-hosted by Gail King and Charles Barkley. Byer's latest nonsense, quote, Can Licht capture the lightning of a Barkley or a Don Lemon without getting burned? Doing so requires incredibly deft, hands-on management, exactly the kind of management Licht has historically excelled at as an executive producer. Uh, Mr. Byers, when was that? Licht produced Morning Joe, which was in third place on MSNBC when he produced it, sometimes in fourth place in the three cable network cable morning news ratings. Then Licht went to CBS and produced its morning news show, which was in third place in the three network broadcast morning news ratings. Then he went on to produce Stephen Colbert's show, which by last year had lost 27% of its audience and was being beaten out in the ratings by a show from Fox News. Now, CNN is not only in last place, but its ratings have tanked again, and they are now about half that of MSNBC's, and MSNBC is in full-fledged panic over how it's tanking. So this is a double tank. So let me know which one of these failures Licht has displayed, quote, incredibly deft hands-on management. He got his hands on something, but it's not management. But our winner is the Florida Department of Education. That's the headquarters for the book banners. But if you're a glass half full kind of guy, like I've always been, you'll say, wait, what about all the books they haven't banned in Florida? What about a list of the approved books? Well, that list is out. It has more than 350 titles on it, including, ironically enough, Fahrenheit 451. Curious George is okay for high school students in Florida. 1984, Hop on Pop, Romeo and Juliet, and each is carefully listed alongside the class year for which it's been approved. Animal Farm, for instance, is okay for the ninth grade, or as it is spelled on the official Florida Department of Education list at least three dozen times, Ninneth, Ninneth grade, N-I-N-E-T-H. The Florida State Department of Education misspelled the word ninth 36 times. Ninth. Then there's Pride and Prejudice and Utopia and the Twelve Caesars. All of them have been approved for seniors who are in the 12th grade. Twelfth. T-W-E-L-T-H. Leave off the last F for Florida. The Florida Department of Education. 
well, why do we need to spell ninth or 12th correctly since we're trying to get all these kids to drop out in the seventh grade or the eighth grade anyway? Today's worst persons in the misspelled world. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Still ahead on Countdown, it was a long, bad day. It was the day I didn't have coffee with Uma Thurman. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need you can help. Every dog has its day. To Zebulon, North Carolina, and the little tan thing that was dropped off at the town dump was still moving as the humans pulled away. It was a dog, skin and bones, unable to walk, to lift her head Special Needs Animal Rescue there named her Peanut. She's 20 pounds, maybe a retriever mix, Golden Lab maybe. And they were clearly starving her. She should be about a 70-pound dog, maybe 60 pounds. And yet, as the rescuers came for her, she wagged her tail. She can barely move. She wagged her tail. They think they can save her. She'll need fluids and a lot of ER care, and they need our donations. Peanut is on givinggrid.com. You can find her there or on my Twitter feeds. I thank you, and Peanut thanks you. Now to the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me, and I saw her on TV recently, so I flashed back and shuddered all over again. Yes, it's things I promised not to tell. I suspect that until the day I actually die, 
No day will have started so well with such promise, yet ended so badly with such a clanging thud as Wednesday, July 27, 2011 did. Near midnight, two nights earlier, I had just entered my New York apartment back from a New York Yankees game when the last landline telephone I ever owned began to ring. Hi, Keith, it's Uma. Yeah, how many Umas could there be? It was the actress Uma Thurman. We had texted briefly. We had never met. We had never spoken. We spoke for 90 minutes, and she was self-deprecating and vulnerable and razor-sharp and warm, and she invited me to coffee on the afternoon of D-Day, Wednesday, July 27, 2011. One of the producers I had hired to do the new version of Countdown on Al Gore's network, Current TV, happened to know Uma Thurman from the gym, Erica Ferrari was her name, and she was great, and she and Uma Thurman had become close enough that Uma had unloaded all her relationship issues on Erica, and the next thing I knew, Erica was in my office explaining to me that when she explained to Uma where she worked and with whom, Uma said, the Keith Olbermann? And now I was being set up for drinks or dinner or coffee or something with Uma Thurman. So this seemed like a good day. Then two nights earlier, we had finally had had this marvelous, warm conversation, and Uma Thurman had suggested coffee on Wednesday at 2.30 or so in one of the two or three places in Midtown near my studio, and she'd text me with details, and she couldn't wait. Simultaneously with this, the CEO of the current TV network, Mark Rosenthal, called me up and invited me to dinner on Wednesday, July 27, 2011. Going to be a busy day. Al Gore and Current had hired me even before I left MSNBC. That was what that was all about. And I had met and gotten to know everybody in the organization over the following six months before we finally got the show on the air in June. We got off to a good start, even though Current TV was available only in low-def digital cable. On its first night, Countdown on Current beat both MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell show and CNN's Elliot Spitzer show in the so-called demo ratings, measuring viewers aged 18 to 54. But by July 27, 2011, so like two months later, it was evident to me that the network was run by four kinds of people. One, the CEO, Rosenthal, who used to be at MTV and knew what he was doing. Two, some dilettantes who did not know how to plug in a television, let alone put stuff on one. Three, co-owner Al Gore, who meant well, but who had absolutely no judgment when it came to business partners. And four, in a class by himself, Gore's business partner, Joel Hyatt, who had made one superb business decision in 1977 that earned him billions of dollars, and he sold everything, and then it earned him billions of dollars again, but he had literally never gotten anything right since 1977, while at the same time thinking he had never gotten anything wrong since 1977. He was a liberal. Unfortunately, he was a liberal Donald Trump. What was worse was that of all these people, only Mark Rosenthal understood how ruinously incompetent Joel Hyatt really was. Rosenthal had been president of MTV from 1996 through 2004, and whatever you thought of all those reality shows and the real world and stuff like that, they were successes. He knew what he was doing, and he knew Joel Hyatt didn't. And Mark Rosenthal had invited me to dinner as soon as my show was over on Wednesday night, July 27, 2011, about seven hours after I was scheduled to have coffee with Uma Thurman as a dry run for a date. And Rosenthal told me he had figured out 
how we could, in effect, take control of the current TV network away from this Joel Hyatt and not only exploit the good start Countdown had made, but build on it and make current TV into the liberal news network we had been intending to create and knew would be a success. Dinner would be our chance for him to explain it to me to hatch our plan. It was a big, big day. I think, without me going into detail, you intuitively get the Uma Thurman part of what July 27th, 2011 was supposed to be, but I need to put a little bit more meat on the bones of why it was so important at Current TV. This is who this guy Hyatt was. That same producer who was doing her best to set up Uma Thurman and me, Erica. She walked in one day white as the sheet of paper she was carrying at arm's length as if it had been printed in bubonic plague. She had found, while surfing around Internet archives, a New York Times article about this Joel Hyatt, an article from April 13, 1990. You remember the movie Philadelphia? where the evil head of the law firm portrayed by the actor Jason Robards had fired the head of his Philadelphia office played by Tom Hanks because the Hanks character had AIDS, and Hanks' character got as his lawyer a character played by Denzel Washington? Well, this guy who co-owned Current TV with Al Gore, he was the Jason Robards character. He had fired from his law firm, Hyatt Legal Services, the head of his Philadelphia office, Clarence B. Kane, after finding out Clarence B. Kane had AIDS. In fact, reality was actually worse than the Philadelphia movie. In real life, Clarence B. Kane was also African-American. The Times story that Erica Ferrari handed me, like it was printed on razor blades, recounted how a federal judge had not only ordered Hyatt Legal Services to pay Mr. Kane $157,000 plus costs, but how it had ordered them to pay him immediately, like in the next couple days. This was harrowing enough, but the final paragraph made my head swim. Quote, what pained him most, Mr. Hyatt said, was the notion that his firm discriminated. He noted how it had, after all, named a gay black man to run one of its major offices, something no law firm its size has ever knowingly done. Quote, what's totally lost in the shuffle is that this is an organization in which anyone can succeed, he said. No one has written about that. That was this guy Hyatt in a nutshell. He fired a gay black man who was dying of AIDS, but he knew who the real victim here was, himself. And it's not like Hyatt had improved over the years. As I mentioned, the night countdown premiered on current TV, June 20th, 2011. We beat MSNBC and CNN in the ratings, but we didn't know it. The next day, our ratings showed that we had beaten CNN and just missed beating O'Donnell on MSNBC. A few weeks later, one of those networks got a friendly reporter to write a story about how, since the debut, our ratings on Current had sunk, which was to be expected and which was a totally legitimate competitive thing for the MSNBC guys to do. But the numbers were all wrong. The ratings for Countdown that were included in the pro-CNN, pro-MSNBC story were somehow higher than the ratings we saw every day at Current. If I'm not clear about this, the story said that, say, on Monday, July 11th, we had had 100,000 demo viewers. But our ratings, the ratings we got from the Nielsen Company, they said that on Monday, July 7th, we didn't have 100,000 demo viewers. We only had 75,000 demo viewers. Well, something was really, really wrong here. So when Hyatt called me for our weekly phone chat, I said, look, there's something wrong with the ratings. 
And I explained the article to him and he said, oh, I knew they were going to do that. Show how your ratings had dropped. And I said, no, no, you're missing my point. They say we had higher ratings than we actually did. Oh, I knew they were going to do that too, he said with even more condescension. And I said, why would they do that? Why would they try to make us look better? Oh, I knew they were going to do that too, just to... Then there was a long pause while Joel Hyatt made something up. Just to mess with us. I asked him, since he had personally purchased the ratings package from the Nielsen Company, the first ratings in the history of current TV, if he could just review for me what he remembered of the process. Well, I went in and made an excellent deal. I saved $2,000 on their initial price point. This man was worth a couple billion dollars. They wanted us to buy not just the live ratings, but something called live plus diver. I thought for a moment. Diver, I said. You mean live plus DVR? He laughed. Yes, that's it. Diver. What the hell is diver? You just use the live ratings in TV. Everybody knows that. I explained to him that diver ratings were comparatively new, about three, four years old at that point. They added to the live rating, people who would watch the show on their DVR within 24 hours of having recorded it. He had bought the ratings that did not include all of those people, so that when we got what we thought were our ratings for our premiere night when we beat CNN and almost beat MSNBC but just missed, we didn't just miss. The ratings package this idiot Hyatt had bought did not include anybody who watched the show on their DVRs. And that cost us the chance to come out and say, we beat CNN and MSNBC the first night with this crappy low-def picture down on channel 103. But more importantly, it saved this billionaire idiot Hyatt $2,000. So, Mark Rosenthal was taking me to dinner hours after I was to have coffee with Uma Thurman to explain how we could get rid of this idiot who thought DVR meant diver. Thus was July 27th, 2011, going to be one of the turning points in my life. And then, about 1.45, just when Uma said she was going to text me to tell me where to meet her for coffee, she texted me all right. She texted me to explain her rehearsal was running long and she had to postpone. And while I was reading between those lines and knowing that that actually meant she was going back with her boyfriend or her husband or whoever he was, a company email came into all of our inboxes. And even before I opened it, I could hear mass groaning coming from my newsroom. Mark Rosenthal, seven hours before our dinner to plot how to root around Joel Divers slash Jason Robards in Philadelphia slash I saved $2,000 Hyatt, Mark Rosenthal had been fired. And he'd been replaced as CEO of Current TV, effective immediately by co-owner Joel Hyatt. Well, holy diver. It'd be a better story if I never saw Mark Rosenthal or Uma Thurman again in my life, but it wouldn't be true. I saw Mark many times, and then four years later, I was at a New York recording studio doing the voice of the newsman character, Tom Jumbo Grumbo, on the great animated series BoJack Horseman, when one of the other studio doors opened and outstepped Uma Thurman. Radiant. Elegant. I introduced myself. She smiled. She said she was a fan. She laughed, and she said, you know, we must have coffee sometime.
not a good day. Thank you for listening. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, please do so. It matters. And tell somebody else about this. Get them to listen. We really haven't publicized the series at all, other than those 43 tweets a day that I put out in the YouTube videos and all that. Here are the credits. Most of the music was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown musical directors. Produced by TKO Brothers. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. Sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Kenny Main, and everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 783rd day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 